Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We hope that you guys are doing so great. Happy first week of February. I felt like January was a century long, and I've been saying this since 2020. I'm like, oh my gosh. I saw this gal that I greatly respect, and she is currently in France right now, and she said, I want you guys to know that it finally is February 1st in France and everything is beautiful. There's baguettes everywhere. (laughs) She said that as an encouragement to Americans. And I was like, oh, that's very kind of you because honestly, January was a century. (laughs) Okay, January was straight awful. It was it so was long. Awful. It was, it was hard. It was very, and it just was a, it was like, it's January. You're going to fall flat on your face by day two. Like, it was so hard. <laughs> our our school shut down for a week because oh, of so many high COVID cases. COVID hit our family. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, life got crazy over here. Life got yeah. crazy over here. So I'm ready for the February. January was a long year. <laughs> it was a long year. Even Bernice King, who she so rarely says anything on Twitter that is not, you know, super positive and hopeful. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I can't believe that we finally made it to January 31st. <laughs> so like, if even Bernice King is a little bit worn out, then we know that we're in then good company. Then we know company. this is real. Yeah, we're <laughs> in we're really problem. good company. Yes, it's affecting all of us. Totally. No matter where we live. Yes, too that's much. 100% right. It's also, crazy. the Northeast got that crazy snowstorm per like, usual yes shoot you know i thought of you not being in the northeast and be sitting in your whatever 60 70 degree weather mm-hmm. as they get blankets of snow in the northeast and i'm like nope that's not her life no more totally no, no, cody no. and i were driving in the car and he just grabbed my hand and he was like babe we're missing the snowstorm and then we just spent like 20 minutes talking about how terrible all the new yorkers listening will know but how terrible from basically from January 15th to the end of February, you've never seen more angry people in the street than you have Ooh. in New York because it's like every Christmas is gone. The magic of New York is all done. It's and then all of a too, sudden, right? it, it, I don't know if it's dark, but it's snow. Mm. It's just snowy. You know what I mean? Like Ugh. there's snow everywhere and it's cute for a day. Then it turns into slush. Then you got to push Ugh. a stroller through it. And then you're going to oh, probably no. fall down the subway stairs because there's going to be <laughs> ice. So it's like, it's a whole thing. I didn't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm bless sorry. the lamb. So anyways, New Yorkers, Cody and I did, um, you know, throw a prayer up for you this oh. week in our car. And we were grateful to be in LA. If I know you personally, you can come for a visit if, if you if you test um, before you come. If you test. I have to say, this is, um, like many in America, fascinated by life in New York. You know, some of the best-selling books are Primates of Park Avenue or any of these books that are set in – I mean, all of our rom-coms are set in New York, right? So there's just this allure of, like, life in New York. I think especially I'm so fascinated with mothers in New York. I'm like, how do you raise kids in that city that just – I'm stressed at the mere thought of it, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And then coming and visiting you with your with your babies, girl. You had little ones when I came mm-hmm. to visit you the two years in a row in New York, and I just thought these people need awards. These people need awards. <laughs> they need free coffee, and they need awards, and they need a nap because this is no joke. So it's all no you joke. mamas in New York listening, we see you, we hear you. Watching you do it up close, I was like, there is. I've all you know. I think. Maybe every American at one point in their life fantasizes about what it'd be like to live there. And after that, I was like, you know what? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's such a it is a really good place to raise kids. And it's better if you have a lot of money because then you can like get a nanny and people to help you and all the different things. Um, but I think that this last couple of years has been a really like it's leveled the ground a bit. Mm. I was thinking about just how angry and anxious people seem to me. And this might not be true from where you're listening from, but no matter what state my friends live in, whether it's Arizona, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, like Texas, I've heard from people just that it seems as if people are more angry and anxious. And so yeah. I feel like that heightened sense of like, oh my gosh, anything could happen at any moment. And that's what it feels like mm, internally I to live totally in Manhattan. Oh, wow. And so I think that, you know, it's interesting to see because the difference is in Manhattan, there's anger and anxiety, but there's a lot of solidarity. Like, mm. yes, we will fight you in the street, but somebody else will also fight somebody else on your behalf. Like people really are deeply connected. There's this hilarious um, Instagram account and somebody sent it to me and they have, they post all these random things that happen in New York. And so this guy got into a fight on the subway, like the in-between space, the platform got into a fight. This guy provoked him and he punched him in the face. And then the other guy hit back and he fell on the subway track. So oh, the I saw same, this. Right? So the <laughs> same guy who knocked him into the subway track is the same guy who put his hand down and pulled him up. <laughs> so it's like, that sums up what it's like to live in New York. Oh, and man, I feel like the great. difference is everybody, everybody else right now is like, I'm just angry and anxious and I'm not going to help nobody. Like that's yeah. how it feels to me. People are becoming more selfish instead of being like, look, we're, it's all going to hell in a handbag, but we're mm. in it together. Mm. And so my hope is like, I hope across the country, and if you're listening from outside of here, I don't know if this is your experience too, but it might be. But I think that, you know, if we could establish some more solidarity in our anger and in our anxiety or our fear, if, if anger and anxiety don't resonate with you, because I know some people that those two words feel too hard and too harsh. But if you feel a lot of fear or you have a lot of stress in your life or you're having a lot of relationship tensions, you know, that need for solidarity and bonding is so critical right now. Yeah, 100%. And that takes intention. And I love that yes. last, excuse me, two weeks ago and the week before that, talking about social media and then intentions in real life. It matters. I mean, the research backs it up, Ashley. We are anxious. We are more yes. anxious than we've ever been. And it, it is not something to gloss over and it's not right. something to ignore. And it's not something thinking, oh, this is going to let up eventually because there's really no end in sight to what's happening to the world. So maybe right. we have to deal with it in totally. small ways and big ways and in intentional way so yes oh there which is so beautiful go. that brings us i think to our topic today and this is something I, I have been talking about for a long time and we decided to title this episode is pivot my middle name <laughs> <laughs> and here's why we've noticed for ourselves and for many of the people that that we know and love that pivoting has become the name of the game and we mm -hmm. started 2021 way and it, we went through it in a way that was very unexpected and almost everyone had to pivot you had to figure out if you have kids what are you going to do with your kids and schooling if you are working a job that was suddenly shut down what does it look like to to work remotely what does it look like when speaking engagements are canceled or events or conferences or things that you were relying on or things that you were excited about vacations like all these different things changed and we all had to pivot and figure it out you could no longer go to movies for a season you couldn't you know see your people for a little while and then that kind of you know we had a little spark of hope in the summer 
that quickly went away in the fall. And then everybody started fighting about COVID. It was a vicious political cycle. And then we opened 2021. We have, you know, January 6th happens, the insurrection at the Capitol. And then from there, it's like, okay, COVID central. Then states are fighting and some people Mm -hmm. are anti-mask mandate. And some of this is legislated at a state level. And, you know, everybody's fighting about everything and book bans in schools and CRT. And I mean, I I could go on for days. You guys are around. You lived it. You Mm -hmm. know. And we were all deeply and personally affected by these things. Relationships changed. Potential for the future died. Mm -hmm. Many pursuits were just dead in the water. There was Mm -hmm. so much going on that required us to pivot. So we wanted to talk today about what that looks like. Like, what is the cost of having to pivot so much? What is the joy of having to change so much? What are the things that, you know, we see for the future? What could it look like to sort of navigate these ever unfamiliar waters? And we all want a level of security and certainty. I think that's part of the human condition, even if you're a freaking radical and you love change. Yeah. There's still this human part of us that deeply desires rhythm and connection and consistency and commitment because that is what it means to be grounded and rooted in something that's bigger than yourself and something that's manageable. And I think today it would be wonderful to talk about how we've navigated all this stuff because we know that you guys are dealing with this too. Yeah. Uh, you really covered the gamut and it shows too just the in- the intensity building even as you described it it felt like oh this is intense and then it got more like it right. just leveled up at, at you know every few months it felt like it's not going to get worse than this and then it did yeah. and so this need to pivot and i think even um even just an article i read recently of the crisis for parents who have kids five and under who aren't school age yet and childcare right. centers shutting down without without any notice for like, oh, we're shut down for two weeks. Hello, or, oh, we're shut down for the next life. month. You know, and my, my heart is breaking. <laughs> a dear friend of mine, um, a listener, she is a public health nurse. And so she does in-home care um, mm. for mothers. And, uh, and she also has two babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she and her husband's a lawyer. And so she's trying to, you know, drive all over the city and with, she drives within an hour each day and so go drop her kids off at daycare and then go, you know, go to work full time. And, um, and then losing, she said, oh, I just found out I have no care for the next two weeks and I can't yep. keep taking, I've, I've, you know, I'm out of PTO and all of these things. And I'm yep. like, this is the echo. So again, like you said, yep. like it just isn't stopping and we keep having to pivot after we feel like we've done all our pivots. Yes. Like, uh, I mean, like many of you, I don't want pivot to be my name no more. I consider myself a very adaptable person and I'm like, I'm going to need a smoke break because I can't <laughs> do this no more. <laughs> You know, so I think um, I just want to echo what you first said to really lay the groundwork that it just has hit this fever pitch. And you're like, oh, wait, there's so much capacity for this to get worse. Um, So I think something for me that has really helped me handle each pivot is as bad news comes my way or as change comes my way, it's like, okay, where is the silver lining here? Like, what can we do? to make the best of this it could be really small ashley i'm just being real honest right yeah, here totally. like this could be like oh is there a new series on disney plus that my kids right. could get into oh For is there sure. a new book series we can all read together and read aloud because i'm very in to reading modern classics to my kids like what what are things that we can just little beautiful moments that we can mark as a family or as individuals um where we can handle these pivots because sometimes you just go numb y'all and i know you know this as she just said we're anxious we're tired we're angry and so finding ways 
um, to have little celebrations. That's just totally my glass half full. Um, and then also one, another way to handle the pivots when pivot is my middle name, um, (laughs) (laughs) is the pandemic really brought out all of my anxiety and getting help for that. And for me, it's, it's, just some supplements that I need to be on and I really can't skip a day. And they've made a tremendous impact in my life and therefore my family's life and my work life. So it has really, really, really been helpful. What are some things that have helped you manage when Pivot has unfortunately been your middle name? Yeah, I really love it. And Pivot has been my middle name for the last couple of years. And everything from career to family to city, I mean, literally, virtually nothing in my life has been untouched by a Pivot. Yeah. And I think that's also just what happens, you know, whenever you change seasons. So we also, you know, had another baby. So it's like we're already in a pivot, you know, on top of a world that's pivoting. So I think about, you know, things like that. Each of you have listening have probably had something that like on a normal year would be a good stressor. It'd be like, yeah, this is this is a good stress and I'm excited about this. But then when you put everything on top of Mm. it, it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. So one of the things I do, it's it's the opposite of you, Tiffany. So I really appreciate you sharing. But I have to deeply identify with reality. Like I cannot, um, I, I, it takes me a minute to do silver lining because I have to sit and really look at reality. I have to sit and go, okay, here's what's actually happening. Here's what's hard about it. Here's why it's happening. Here's the context. Here's what's been informed. Here's, here's why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking. Here's why we're going through what we're going through. And what that does is, is help me ground myself in a right context. And when I have greater understanding for me, it becomes easier to become hopeful. But if I don't identify like, oh, the pressure is coming from this outside thing over here or this difficult thing inside here or this internal trigger that got set off. Like once I understand those dynamics, it feels easier for me to be hopeful. And so that's where I start is just like with whatever realities I need to grapple with. And I don't always like doing that, but as a person in recovery, I've had to, because if I skip that part, I find that I'm grasping at straws or striving or trying to make something out of nothing and, you know, or just trying to force myself into a happy place and none of that works for me. So I have to be very, very honest. Unfortunately, I think to some people, um, that could look very negative. So I've had to learn also how to manage my process with others. So Mm. I have to kind of go on my little internal journey or just like a couple of people that I trust so that I can really be like, here's the depth of it and here's how hard it is. And here's, here's where I am in the pit. I don't know if you guys saw that TV show made. Um, I really, really loved it. It's on Netflix trigger warning for sure, because you know, there's poverty, there's violence, dysfunctional relationships, but this gal, Stephanie, she's actually in your area. Tiffany, we've talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit on the podcast before she's in the Pacific Northwest. In one of the scenes, she goes back into a very difficult place. She ends up moving back in with her violent boyfriend and her daughter just because she's down on her luck, you know, struggling to find housing, um, lost her job. And so she ends up back in this place. And the way they film it is they show her like she's sitting on the couch and then all of a sudden she's like in a well and you see her from the bottom of the well looking up, trying to hear what's happening around her and trying to listen to her kid, trying to see what's coming, trying to find any morsel of light. And it felt so visual and descriptive Mm. I think that's sometimes how it feels in a pivot you feel like I'm at the bottom of this well and I can't really hear anyone and I can't really see the light I'm sure it's out there somewhere and that for me is the starting place like if I start there and identify all those dynamics then I can find a way to move forward and same same as you Tiffany I have to find good music 
great stories on TV, you know, good podcasts, some great audible books. Like Mm -hmm. that actually really does help me manage my tensions and manage the pressure and, you know, create release valves throughout the day, if you will. (laughs) Mm. I want to I want to circle back because you really hit on something so vital that I think could be really a lifesaver. Dare I say a lifesaver? I know it sounds extreme, but I mean it. I am very because I'm very like Mrs. Positive all the time. I, it's a beautiful quality, by the oh way. Oh no, but every over over every strength totally. overuse becomes a weakness. Absolutely. And for me, where I go off course and where my pivoting needs help is I'm late to name what hurts. Right. Like for this is just a very simple example, but um I have a women's ministry locally called SIP and we grew exponentially right before the pandemic. We had about 600 women on our mailing list. We we meet 70 women at a time, multiple times a day. It was so 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 beautiful and we had to stop mid-season of how we run of these weekly gatherings with wine and food and and I teach for a little bit and we just gather and share our hearts and journal and worship. It's really really beautiful. It anyway, um I, I wasn't, I was, you know, just trying to pivot, you know, like everyone was to virtual. And that is very much not my gifting, totally. especially I'm like, these people are down the street. I want to be with them, but I want to honor what we need to do and stay at home orders, all that stuff. Yeah. But it took me almost a year, Ashley, to recognize specifically what, um, what I miss so deeply that affected me and that I had to grieve. Like I took, right. I did not grieve right. in an appropriate time frame, and then it came out in other ways. Mm. Like that, that lack of the grieving process came out in how I thought about it or in, or in just even in my body and mm-hmm. all these ways, there was something I missed, but I didn't take the time to be like, this is the context. This is what happened. This is what hurts. And right. this is this is my loss. And I was so late to the grieving process. So I really just want to circle back to what you said of how vital that is, because in, in my situation, in my personality and the way I'm wired, I often don't put vernacular to what I am feeling and to what I have lost until it's it's not not that it's too late, but it's sure. so far removed that I'm seeing the effects of that loss come out in other areas of my life. Right. And that has its own problems and consequences. So just being able to step back and be like, I need to step into this heaviness and I need to name how it's affected me. Um, that is something that that we all will benefit from. And that's just part of being grown, if you ask me, like yeah. owning your life and yep. owning what's going on. And yep. it's the reason we all end up in therapy, because right. we have not <laughs> had the tools to navigate the heaviness and the hard parts and the tragedies, uh, because they are all happening to all of us. And they're yes. happening at, at light speed. Yes. Um, and, and it's just so necessary. So I'm really glad that you unpacked exactly how you do that. Because I think for me, I'm like, okay, well, what's something happening now that I'm not going to apply in six months? Because I, I eventually get there, but I'm really right. late where, where there's been a lot of damage done. So how could I take those steps back, acknowledge what's not working and stop trying to force something that isn't working and to actually pivot? Right. It's very, very challenging to pivot. And I think it's important to talk about this. I love what you just shared because this is where friendship is so critical, right? Because you mm-hmm. have, like you and I are wired very differently, but like mm-hmm. you can see the hope before I can see it and I can see reality before you can see it. Maybe not in every situation. You might have the opposite in one way. I might have the opposite. Like none of this is a rule every time. Right. But I think that's what's so helpful about community. And that yeah. is the other part that's been almost, I would, I, I think I'm just going to use this word, dangerous for the pivots that have happened in the last two years because we 
don't really have community. And again, mm-hmm. this this could be, this might not be you. You might be sitting some in some of the places that I visited this year and be like, I have community. I see people every single week of my life. And I'm so Good happy for you. about no, that. I'm joking. Like, truly. <laughs> um, but I have noticed, you know, that many people, no matter their city, no matter the state they live in, no matter the country they live in, are really wrestling with loneliness and oh, isolation. Yeah. yeah. And I think what I lost the most in the last two years is people bearing witness to my life mm. and me bearing witness to other people's lives. And I think I've talked about this before here, but maybe I've just written about it. But I was thinking in, in 2020, after we had our daughter, we had her in November on Thanksgiving. And then for the first six months of her life, the only person who saw her weekly was our checkout lady at Target. And she's a beautiful soul. She's a grandmother. She's in her 70s. Her husband stays home, so she works at Target. He's got some health challenges. And anyways, we've just we've just made friends, and she would just connect with the baby every week. And she was the only person who bore witness wow. to the growth of my daughter. And I think that that is the kind of sorrow and grief that we're all carrying around where you realize like, man, I've lived a whole life. I've navigated all these things and all these changes and none of my people were here to see it. And I haven't seen them. And I think this is doing two things to us if I pull back and identify. One, it's making us more selfish. And I identify with this too, so I'm owning this. It's because my life has had to become so much smaller. Mm -hmm. In some ways I've really loved, in some ways I have not loved. And I think that that, you just get used to having to figure out what you're gonna do with your life every day. (laughs) And there's less connection and less people and less gatherings and less corporate gatherings and less opportunities to worship together if you have a faith community and different things like that. And the other thing I think it's doing is that we're just losing so much life that we're carrying this grief of not being seen and not being Mm -hmm. known and not seeing others and not knowing others. And I think that that is a grief that is difficult to to put your finger on. You know, it's like trying to poke around and figure out what is that sort of hole in my soul. But I actually think that that's one of them that so many people, so many of us are carrying right now is that no one is bearing witness to our life and we are not bearing witness to the lives of others in a way that feels up close and proximity mm-hmm. is power. I mean, the mm-hmm. more that you're close, the the more rich your connections, the more meaningful it is, the, the less likely you are to begin to villainize someone or begin to, you know, have resentment towards them. So the more you're connected, the more vulnerable, the more open, the more reciprocal, like that's just what naturally happens. And because we haven't been able to do that, I think that that's a real grief. And I think it's affecting our levels of generosity. Absolutely. And learning to exercise that muscle, because like you said, our world got so small. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might even be limited to the the square feet of your own home yep. to the point that you're like, okay, how do I, how do I pivot back? How do mm-hmm. I pivot back to a place of community that is maybe healthier than before, more intentional mm-hmm. than before. Mm-hmm. And there just feels like there's no roadmap, guide map, guidebook, whatever you want to call it for that. And it, I think it starts with, again, acknowledging what has happened and then casting vision for what could be. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about intentions even two weeks ago of In Real Life. I know we talked a lot about a lot of other shenanigans two yeah. weeks ago, <laughs> but we did hit on just the necessity of sharing life. But I really love the verbiage that you just shared of bearing witness because that indicates vulnerability yeah. and that indicates honesty and that indicates stick with itness uh, right. with each other right. um, in a way that maybe we haven't, I mean, that most of us haven't had. And I also want to mention you, you know, we don't know where you're at right now. You know, we love you, 
but I don't know a soul, Ashley, who isn't feeling lonely, myself included. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know it's a so soul. Yes. Yeah, and here we are. We're like 2022. I want more. I yeah. want more. And I think we just have to start with being honest of our own margin and yeah. our own capacity because we can want it all. But if we aren't in a place to give and receive, then we might not be ready to do that. And then maybe that just takes some adjustment, again, some pivoting yeah. of where our values are and how much we're willing to commit to say yes to, say no to. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a necessary right. dialogue, ongoing internal dialogue and, mm-hmm. of course, with our people. Totally. And that reminds me, too, of just the cost of mediating fear, because I feel like that's that's another thing we're facing. It's like, OK, I've got to mediate how I feel about being in a gathering that's this size or that size. I need to mediate mm-hmm. my fear about oh, that's good. these people I haven't seen in a long time that now I'm going to be around again. I need to mediate my fear about this, that or the other thing. And all those things are maybe they're barriers, maybe they're hindrances. I don't know the right word uh, to community, but I do think, you know, if you can learn to have a healthy, maybe even objective perspective on connecting again, I think that that's helpful because we're always yeah. mediating fear. Yeah. And if you can lean into like, okay, I need to to be conscious of what I'm afraid of, <clears throat> worry, what I'm worried about will happen if I connect again, or if I do this or do that, or if I'm vulnerable in this way, like, you know, we're all thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And then just where can you just take the risk? I can remember, you know, at the, at the beginning of my recovery journey, when I moved from North Carolina to LA, and I was still addicted to everything under the sun and going through so much stuff and then I was in this time and that's it's 20 years this year actually so I've been thinking about it a lot but I was in this time of like in between worlds where I had not quite built friendships like I had not built community I had not built like real relationships with others after moving to a city but I needed to Mm. and so it was just accepting like okay part of my way in the world right now is that I do not have any friends and part of the courage it's going to take right now is for me to make some. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just like mediating. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Where can I meet them? Is there a person at my job? And there were a couple, you know, at my work at the time that I could be like, hey, do you guys want to grab dinner? Do you want to go for coffee? Do you want to, you know, um, go catch a late meal after we get off work tonight and just begin to build relationships with people? And I find sometimes in the Christian community, we put so much intensity, like don't if or do if this feels natural to you, but maybe don't feel like you have to sit down and have a conversation about somebody's whole life. You know, maybe you can just go to a movie, go for a walk, talk about, you know, the Super Bowl. I don't care. Like, keep it light. You don't have to do a big giant. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do a big deep dive because I think that's another part of mediating fear is that you're like, gosh, how much am I going to have to talk about? How much am I going to have to unpack? It's like, no, I just want to keep this light and just make a real connection with somebody. And that's okay too. I'm forgive my little side conversation on this, but I I just I get to be in my bonnet about this. And I think it's one of the reasons I even created SIP, you know, the women's ministry in the first place is because I feel like in Christian dating, it's like if you don't date unless you're going to marry the person, you know, that's the purity culture way of it. So, again, that same intensity that you just mentioned. And then in the Christian space, it's like join a small group and commit every Tuesday night with the same eight people for the rest of your life. And you're like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. do that either right not in a not in a i don't want to share my life with people but you're like totally. i don't know these folks i exactly. want what if i don't like them you know yeah, there's not right. this room to like just be like hey i want to get to know you hey yes i do eventually want to be in a place where we share meals together all yes. the time you know but yes. there has to be we can't make this like bottom of the ladder and then jump to the top rung right we have right. the low stakes like 
what's one small thing you can do? I think so many of us are like, we got to dream big this year. No, 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 no. What, what if we just dreams really small, yep. like really small, like yep. microscopic? And what would that next tiny step look like? Yep. Um, and again, I love that to mediate fear and be honest with yourself and really ask yourself, is this somebody I want to spend my time with? Is this somebody I want to get to know more? Like, even like you said, there was a few people you had chemistry with. Okay, well, we'll start there. Yeah, We just got to start somewhere. You exactly. Know? That's right. And I love the small things because that you just mentioned, like pulling a dream down small is so, mm-hmm. it's so wise because it also allows your dreams to be fulfilled through a place of being instead of doing. And yeah. we have got to work on our being. Like, that's one thing I've loved about, you know, kind of refocusing and re- reordering my life um, since the end of last year and thinking about what I value and what I want to, where I want to spend my energy and time, that's been a big thing where you're just like, oh, I really do want us to be able to think through what makes sense for my life and what makes sense for the place that I'm in right now and how can I connect with others in a deep and meaningful way and do the work that I think is important and significant and let the rest of it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like mm-hmm. let it ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let the rest of it go. We we can't we can't do it all all at the same time, y'all. Pick what pick pick it. Pick what you want. Yes. Pick what you're gonna do. I love that. Yes. Let the let let the rest of it ride. Oh yes. well said, my friend. I say we ended on that. Let the yes. rest of it ride. Yes. Pivot is your middle name. It's come on pleasure, now, y'all. All pleasure. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.